Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Hey, Alan. I am doing good, buddy. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Yes. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, well, this week, we're doing Season 4, Episode 7, The Treaty. The Treaty. Yeah. 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 I, I remembered this one, Mark. Um, I don't remember if I remembered how I felt about it, but I remembered the episode overall. I remembered the episode. I'm going to say I remembered it for reasons I'm going to state later. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think we both will, yeah. as a matter of fact. Well, this episode has a runtime of 2133. Yep. It first aired on November 10th, 2011. We've got a new director this week. It's kind of nice to see some fresh blood in. Oh, yeah. Someone semi-familiar to us, uh, Jorma Tacone. Yep. Uh, who you would know from The Lonely Island. That's right. Uh, a writer on Saturday Night Live and, of course, a comedic, comedic partner, let's call it that, with Akiva Shaver and, of course, some guy named Andy Samberg. Uh-huh. He might that kid might make it from what I'm reading. I don't know. I heard he was named Carl Lorthner for some reason. Lorthner, but. yes, yeah. <laughs> you, What's that you said, Mark? We call it wormlog. <laughs> I think you had you had actually mentioned last week that uh, that we were going to have a director from the Lon Lonely Island. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did, and uh, so we got Jorma this week, and he's going to do two episodes total. This is his first. Mm -hmm. Yep, nice. And then back as writer, we've got the late Harris Whittles. Uh, this is six of 12 that he uh, got the credit for as writer. Uh, of course, he also produced 81 episodes and acted in nine of them as right. uh, one of the dynamic duo of the Animal Control Department. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so good layout there on the directing and writing and uh, looking forward to, to getting into this. Mark, should we get into the synopsises? Let's get into the synopsises. Let's do it. All right. Well, I broke this up into an A, a B, and a C story. Um, that is correct. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. All right. <laughs> so the A story I have entitled When Nerds Go to War. <laughs> That's very good. Leslie is asked to lead a session of Pawnee Central High School's Model UN Club with their task being to solve a food crisis. Leslie takes Denmark and she invites Ben, who takes Peru, Andy, who takes Finland, and April, who takes South Africa <laughs> and, and, and the moon, and the moon. <laughs> to join her. So all, all those nuts are, are there. I had no idea the moon was part of the UN. Yeah, it's you, you, it's, you learn something. That's how you, you know. The more you know, the more you grow. There it is. All right. So Leslie is glad that she and Ben can, you know, get along as friends. Sure. Uh, but when Leslie leaves a treaty meeting for a, a photo op for her city council campaign, Ben becomes a little annoyed and, and acts accordingly. And she, he agrees to a treaty that excludes Denmark. And <laughs> Leslie comes back and she's angry and they have words and... Perhaps unavoidably, she declares war on Ben. Um, I mean, Peru. Peru. <laughs> what will happen? Who will join Denmark's coalition of the willing? What brilliant military strategy does Andy execute? Will the moon play a part in the war? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. Nice job, Mark. All right. Mine was just called Peru versus Denmark. Yours is much better. <laughs> Well, you're, you're my safety net. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Today I got your back. Nice. All right. So the B story. I, my, my title's better on this one, though. So I, go ahead and give your back oh, one So first. Now, <laughs> yeah. now the pressure's on. All right. Now I really, I want to think, I want to really wow you on this one. Um, no, I can't do it. No, so my I, my B story is entitled My Kingdom for I Haverford. <laughs> All right. Not bad. That's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, Tommy, please come home. 
That's pretty. Yeah, I yeah. like yours. Better. And actually, I, like yours better. I think I traded my B and C story. I thought you were going to go. You zigged when I thought you were going to zag. Oh, I zogged. Okay, you zogged, yeah. very good. All right. So my kingdom for I have heard the B story for me anyway. Um, Ron is interviewing Tom's replacements. Well, replacement, I guess, singular, but he has several interviews, although he really wants Tom back. Um, Tom claims to have moved on to new ventures, you know, bigger and better stuff. Alan. Sure. But Ron knows secretly that he's um, he's working retail at Macy's. <laughs> um, Tom joins Ron as he interviews many poor candidates hoping to uh, agitate Tom into returning, but seemingly with no success. How will this turn out? Why does Ron want Tom back so badly? Why does Tom not want to come back so badly? Is Tom's career at Macy's secure, or can they come to a compromise? Stick around. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Nice job. All right. So my my C story, which is mm. probably your B story, yeah. I call it Trouble in Traeger Town. <laughs> not bad. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was yours? Uh, well, you know, he calls for that's yeah, I'm sure you're going to tell us this. He calls for a full scale investigation. He right? certainly does. M- mine's called full scale investigation. Oh, see, that's not good. Yeah. That's a play on words. Yeah, that's a pun. Yeah. All right. Very punny. <laughs> Chris's girlfriend, Millie Gergich, Jerry's daughter, stopped returning Chris's phone calls. Dun, dun, dun. Concerned that the relationship was in trouble. He forms an impromptu think tank with an enthusiastic Donna and a very unenthusiastic Jerry looking for advice. He asks Anne to join the mix. And although at first Anne found it inappropriate, she agrees and ends up getting real with Chris. What will happen? Will the think tank be successful? Just how real does Anne get with Chris? Does Jerry lose his cool and clothesline Chris? (laughs) We can hope. Hang in there, podcast viewers. Only time will tell dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Yeah. Good job there. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do our AKAs real quick, and then we'll get into the breakdown. Oh, yes. Yes. The AKAs. Yeah. So my AKAs, um, I, I have two of them, and it's a, it's the dynamic duo of, uh, of April and Andy. Um, so the, the, the first one is, uh, you know, I kind of I kind of foreshadowed this a little bit in the synopses for the A story that April is in charge of the moon. And, and, at, and at one point, you know, we know that Leslie is a uh, mad. She's mad at Ben and she's going to she's going to do the war, the yeah, war thing yeah, yeah. on Ben. And so at a certain point, she's looking for uh, allies. And at a certain point, April stands up and salutes and says in front of everybody. The moon shall join your coalition, which just cracked me the hell up. Um, And then my other AKA is from Andy, who very proudly is unveiling some of the details of his uh, brilliant uh, military strategy. When he tells us, I just traded Finland's military to Kenya for 50 lions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think he stole that from uh, the art of war, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. There's a part in there about using lions. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. How about you? Uh, Well, I did one per, per storyline, you know, just kind of oddly this week. I usually do that. And this week I did it. Uh, So from the A storyline, you know, Leslie basically says to Ben at some point, (laughs) You betrayed me and mm-hmm. you went behind my back and now you need to pay. Mm-hmm. 
just, I mean, them's fighting words. Yes, they yeah. is. I thought, well, that's a great AKA for that storyline. Yup. Um, so Tom, in explaining that he, one of the reasons that he can't come back to the parks department, says, I'm like a shark. I don't swim backwards. Nope. So I like that. You All know right. what? And I can respect that. That's actually not a really insane ideology at the end of the day. I respect the concept. Yeah. I don't know if I respect who said it. But. No, fair enough. All right. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then from the, the you know, the full scale investigation. Uh, oh, yeah. Better title. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. There's a part where Anne is trying to, you know, she gets real with, with, with Chris, as you said, and she basically starts talking about jogging and jo- Chris says oh, yeah. how great it is. And she just shouts at him. Jogging is the worst. Oh, Chris. yeah. Yeah. Like every time shouts I die it, laughing. shouts it yeah. to the heavens and yeah. he's a little stunned at that. Yeah. 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 And we fully agree. Oh, yeah. 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 No screw doubt. that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, nice job on the uh, synopsis and the AKAs. Let's move into the episode breakdown here with the cold open, Mark. Absolutely. All right. So our cold open today, it, it seems like this is I'm going to say this is about midsize because we've had some huge ones yeah. and then we had some tiny ones. This seems yeah. about midsize. So it's about yeah. 97 seconds, about a minute and a half. Uh, definitely plot relevant. And um, we're at City Hall and we see Ben and he walks into the bullpen and he's kind of like looking down at his papers, at his notes. He's not really paying attention, which gives uh, Leslie the opportunity to catch him uh, off guard a little bit with what she has to show him. And you know what? Let's have uh, let's have Harvey start us out by playing the cold open. Let's do that. Here yeah. we go. Oh, hey, Ben. Have you seen my complete collection of all 193 national flags? Oh, here they are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I've been asked to run this year's Model UN at Pawnee Central High School. Attendance has been low. And if I don't make it awesome, they may cancel it. I wonder if I'm going to make it awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or I could be South Korea, you could be Bangladesh, we could form like a trans-Asiatic alliance. Yeah, I like it. I see the merits of it. I just worry if we're both in Asia, it might limit our scope. Mm. And I kind of want to roll up my sleeves and make geopolitical problem-solving my bitch. Amen, brother. <laughs> Let's go back to plan A. I'll be Denmark, you be Peru. Yes. Oh, I, you know, I didn't really do model United Nations in high school, so. Oh, wait, I super did. <laughs> I need a few more volunteers. Andy, will you be Iceland? The bad guys from Mighty Ducks 2? Don't think so. Okay, how about Japan? The bad guys from Karate Kid 2? Even worse. Even worse. How about Germany? They've never been the bad guys. Nope. Why don't you be Finland? Okay. All right. Okay? And I'll be the moon. No, you're going to be South Africa or Pakistan. I'm the moon or I quit. April. Moon or quit, man. Fine. You be South Africa, and then you can also secretly run the moon. The moon accepts your ridiculous proposal. Ron, you want to join us? Look, I'll let you be America. And teach kids that not only is government good, but that there should be a worldwide super government? (laughs) I'd rather sand down my toenails. Every three weeks, I have to sand down my toenails. They're too strong for clippers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Very nice. You know, I think Leslie had the, the right idea saving the USA for Ron. I do, too. But I, I think she should have known he wasn't going to bite. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. But if he was going to. Yeah. That it would, would have had his, to be that. It would have had to be that. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, those toenails, Mark, what are you going to do? <laughs> you're going to sand them down is what you're going to do. <laughs> Apparently. Yo. Yeah. 
Well, Mark, from there, we cut over to Pawnee Central High School and, and preparations are fully underway for what I'm calling the moon op, Mark. Not, not to be confused with the moon, but the Model United Nations of Pawnee. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. You may use that. Just accredit me, please. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. So, yeah, we uh, were at Pawnee Central High School and we're in one of those uh, large uh, multi-purpose rooms that I'm going to call the Jim Cafetorium. The Jim Cafetorium. Exactly right. right. And we see a, a female student named Cassidy uh, wearing a beret, ha, 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 the representative for France. And uh, Cassidy uh, slash France uh, walks up and greets Leslie with what seems like reverent awe, uh, mm-hmm. thanking her profusely for helping with the Model UN and recognizing Leslie, in her mind at least, as a true Pawnee Model UN legend. I think Leslie is trying to stay humble, but is secretly pleased at this. Well, clearly, because in her talking head, she she kind of rebuffs the whole legend thing and says she'd actually go with icon or, or hero. hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very nice. Well, meanwhile, Mark, Ron has apparently already finished with his toenails and he's preparing to go to lunch with his ex-employee, Tom Haverford, who, according to his 2011 LinkedIn status, was open for new opportunities at the time. Wow. Well, I'm glad he's done with his toenails. That's no mean feat. No. (laughs) Huh? See what I did there? Thank you, everybody. All right. Good night, everybody. So Tom is in Ron's office and, and as you said, he's getting ready to go to lunch with him. But. Ron tells Tom that he has just one more quick interview for Tom's replacement. You know, uh, unless Tommy, unless you want your old job back. Uh, Tom turns him down again, saying he's moved on to bigger and better things. Apparently, Ron has offered Tom his old job several times at this point, each time to no avail. But he's determined to keep trying, dot, 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 especially because he saw Tom just two days ago, spraying cologne samples at Macy's. Yeah. And well, and Tom says, you know, he's, he's fronting, Mark. That's what the kids call it. He's fronting. <laughs> he's he, fronting. Yeah. And he says, you know, I'm tearing it up all over town like a boss. Like a boss. Yeah. Well, and, and Ron's right. He says the young man has a lot of pride and this is not going to be easy. I do have to wonder, though, what was Ron Swanson doing at Macy's? That is an excellent question. Like, I think, do you think maybe he was visiting a, a Duke Silver display? Perhaps. Yeah. Later, I would say that, you know, Diane dragged him there. Mm. But we're not there yet. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Yep. Wrapped in a riddle. <laughs> Smothered in secret sauce. Yeah, inside some secret sauce. Well, Mark, I know we've all talked about how the hallways at City Hall before. And I think I know Anne's mistake in this next scene. Oh. Well, she She should have just stayed home. <laughs> That's always good yes, advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that we're all we all have to do now during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you know that's the way it goes. It's a lot right. easier to avoid people on Zoom. Oh my God! You, uh, I'm breaking up. I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. At City Hall, Chris and Anne are walking towards each other in the hallway. Anne greets Chris casually, but Chris puts his arm around Anne's shoulder, steering her to walk with him. Apparently, Chris wants uh, Anne's advice on why his fledgling relationship with Millie Gergich isn't quite going as expected. Apparently, she's not calling him back. Anne suggests, oh, well, you know, duh, then you should obviously launch a full-scale investigation. (laughs) Which, despite Anne's obvious sarcasm, Chris takes to heart and pledges to do. Good gravy. What was she thinking? 
Good gravy indeed. I like how she says, wow, a four-date-long relationship might not be 100% perfect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's clearly dabbling in sarcasm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which which the root of sarcasm is truth, Anne. I I did not know that. I didn't either. That, that actually should be on a shirt. I agree. Yeah. Well, back at the Moon Op, the event kicks off, and I think the kids are going to have a terrific day and learn a lot. I'm really excited for them, Mark. This is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I've learned to say at this point, it's going to be fine. So, yeah, back at the Jimma Cafetorium, uh, the moon op there, uh, Leslie is now speaking at the podium to the entire Model UN, reminding them of this year's geopolitical scenario, global food crisis, mm, for, for which they've all been preparing for months. And in a talking head, Leslie tells us that despite the romantic aspect of their relationship being over, she greatly appreciates her friendship with Ben and how much they have in common. It seems clear that she's glad that he's there. Yeah, that seems right. Well, and she has this great talking head that says, you know, any friendship is better because friends, you know, help you move. They drive you to the airport. Uh, boyfriends, you know, they just love you and marry you. So they're not as good. <laughs> That that kind of made me wince a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. I know. I felt for her. <laughs> That's for, kind of funny. For a moment. Yeah. Well, over at Jerry's desk, Chris is literally Ann Perkins and Jerry's face. And he's recruiting for this full scale investigatory team. Holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is how that, that comes down. We were in the bullpen. We see Jerry working diligently. At least I'm, that's who I'm going to say he's doing. He's working diligently at his desk. He's just being Jerry, being Jerry. When all of a sudden, Chris appears <laughs> and startles Jerry and, and, and us too. Right? He's like Maybe. two inches from his face. <laughs> Jerry. Ah! <laughs> so after Jerry stops peeing himself, uh, Chris tells him about his, as you mentioned, the full scale investigation regarding his daughter <laughs> and wants to pick his brain because why not? Sure. Um, across the room. Donna, Every dad's dream. Let me tell you. Across the room, Donna is uh, apparently getting herself some coffee and she overhears what's going on and she volunteers to help out, so to speak, to Chris's delight and Jerry's dismay. Yeah. Donna says, basically, look, here's what I saw go down. You're too accessible. Yep. Every time she calls you answer. Yep. You got to dangle the carrot, yeah. literally and metaphorically. Oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> LOL and yuck. <laughs> there, Chris and Jerry both have the exact same line. And it's thank you, Donna. And the, the difference in how they deliver it is fabulous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> not happy. Not happy. Well, Jerry is trying not to think about Chris's dangling participle, and Ron and Tom are interviewing a delightfully old racist gentleman named Courtney back at the Parks Department. <laughs> participle. Yeah, back in uh, Ron's office, there are no participles in there that I know of, but it, it, it looks like, it's interesting, it looks like Tom has decided to stick around while Ron does the next interview for his replacement, because I don't think Ron explicitly asked him to stay, No, and but... you, you, you intimated earlier in your breakdown, or in your, you know, in your synopsis, yeah. that you felt like Ron maybe did this to Tom on purpose. Like he flaunted bad candidates. I Do you believe that? I think that Ron tried to lay a little Ron Swanson trap here. All right. You know what? It makes a lot more sense to me than that not being the case. <laughs> so let's go with it. I mean, not that 
bad, bad, bad candidates can't exist because I'm well, they sure do. they do. No, I, <laughs> you know yeah. firsthand. Yeah, I think I interviewed Courtney before he went to this job. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So Tom's sticking around and he's going to, I guess, I don't know if he just wants to like be a background observer or if he wants to help Ron with the interview or whatever. But he's sticking around and and, and the next uh, candidate uh, comes in and, and it's an old, frail uh, gentleman named Courtney mm-hmm. and Courtney apparently was fired uh, back in 1968 for <laughs> making a pass at an ethnic woman. Yikes. Um, and <laughs> when Tom asks him, you know, which yeah, what have you been up to for the last 43 years? Yeah. Courtney kind of sums it up nicely by saying, well, I hitchhiked to Mexico. Yeah. Well, there are apparently a lot of ethnic girls. They grew on trees down there. And then went to jail. Yeah, there's that. That about brings us up to date. Oh, God. <laughs> so yikes. And then so Courtney leaves because he, he that's it. Yeah. Um, and Ron appears to think he is a strong candidate. I think he's laying a trap. Yeah. Uh, much to Tom's dismay, who strongly suggests, Ron, Ron, we got to bring in some more people. Um, I think he's setting a trap. Well, back over at Pawnee Central, the alliance is going well, if not a little annoying. And then the real world conflict displaces the Model UN scripted crisis. Mm. Yes, we are back in the Jim Cafetorium. And at first we see Leslie working with Ben and four Model UN students and, and they're trying to brainstorm a solution. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Drop interest rates. This oil deposits as collateral that. And it, it looks like they may have something. Yeah. And, and we see Leslie and Ben celebrate in ultimate nerd style. Like uh-huh. they, at first they do an unnecessarily complex a handshake thingy and then they follow up with a nerdy beep, 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 ray gun style shooting at each other. Which I believe we've seen before in season three, episode seven, Harvest, Harvest Festival. Festival. Yep. Mm. Good callback. And of course, I remember Tom saying them at the time, get a room. Yes. You know? So yikes. Maybe yeah. this is their method of flirting. I don't know. Dork anyway. flirting. I think you tagged it at the time, Mark. Yes. Yes. But there's no one here to dork block them. So they get need to be careful. Right. <laughs> That's correct. Right. All right. <laughs> so so they're, they're, pew, 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 they're celebrating. And then anyway, the nice pew, pew, pew moment where they're celebrating is interrupted by uh, William Barnes. Alan, I think you said his group was named Barnes and Associates or maybe yeah. just the Politicos. Yeah, we call them the Politicos. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, William uh, walks up and asks Leslie if she's ready. Uh, apparently, Leslie has a photo op that she was aware of that uh, will bolster her education credentials. And she asks Ben to press pause and just tread water until I'm ready. And then she steps away. And Ben is is somewhat frustrated at this. I mean, yeah, sure. It totally interrupts the momentum that they were building with the Model UN. I get that. But Leslie going away to do political stuff instead of staying with him. I wonder if that's hitting a little close to home. Feels like it. And and there's the whole reflection to that moment, you know, the shared moment at Harvest Vessel when better times and Mm, all of that. mm. And uh, yeah, I think I think they're both struggling with this here a little bit. You know, he's Ben says, look, Leslie and I aren't dating anymore, but we're friends. uh, So it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's it's fun. It's Mm -hmm. it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's it's fun. Yeah. I don't know who he's trying to convince. He's he's apparently wound pretty tight. Feels like it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Well, while Ben is testing his water treading skills, which he loves, Andy gets a chance to test his negotiating skills. And well, Mark, it's just, it's an interesting style of negotiation. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yes, it is. So yeah, we, we switch to another part of the large Jimma Cafetorium. And Andy, as we remember, is representing Finland. And he has made a deal that he is very proud of with a young gentleman representing Kenya. Yeah. See, on the one hand, all right, now follow this now. On the yeah, one hand, got? Finland all right, sure. must now give Kenya their military. They don't so, need it. So, it's Finland. Well, I, that part is not great, I admit. But on the other hand, Kenya must now give Finland 50 lions. So I don't know. Andy's pretty proud about this. And Andy brags about his deal to April. And I think she's a little nonplussed at first. You know, she wants to support him and say, yeah, you did great, honey. But, you know, militaries are pretty good at, at protecting countries. But Andy mentions so are lions. And you don't have to pay them. And you don't have to pay them on account of they're lions. These kids are idiots. Not only that, but Andy has apparently covertly worked similar deals with nearly every other country, giving them <laughs> Finland's, you know, stuff <laughs> in exchange for all their lions. Finland now has more lions than any other country they're, in the whole world. Andy may be a secret geopolitical genius. Well, Mark, he, he clearly has no idea what's going on, but if it ends up meaning something in this game, he's set. Oh, he's set. Well, Leslie, to no one's surprise, is trying to have it all here. You know, model UN host, political candidacy, and, you know, geopolitical flirtation. So nothing could possibly go wrong. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> in another part of the Jimma Cafetorium, um, Leslie is getting her picture now taken with some students. And during a small break in the photo shoot, uh, Ben approaches from the side to tell Leslie how it's going with the Model UN stuff, which he's still pretty excited about. Yeah. And, and when Leslie tells Ben that it's going to be another five minutes, which William corrects to maybe 10 or 15, Ben becomes frustrated. Telling Leslie that, yes, her photo op is important. He gets it. But so is this. The Model UN is the reason they're there. And Ben's temper isn't helped when he is kind of scooched aside by William so the photo op can continue. Ben is not very happy right now. No. 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 And Bulgaria should just stay out of it. Oh, stupid, stupid Bulgaria. <laughs> well, Mark, you know the old adage, while the cat is away and off doing a photo op, the mice will... Create a transatlantic alliance and leave Denmark behind to fend for itself. Isn't that how the expression goes? I think that was by Brothers Grimm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were uh, very creepy, but very uh, yeah. politically savvy. Astute. Yes. Yeah. Astute. Yeah. All of them. Um, so, yeah, sometime later, uh, still in the Jim Cafetorium, um, we see Ben now sitting with the Model UN students. And, and they seem to be like smiling and having a good time. And they're talking about treaties and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, finally done with her photo op, Leslie approaches and asks if they're ready to, you know, get things going and polish off the yeah. treaty that they were talking about. And Ben replies with, I think, a little bit of vindictiveness that he, he merged their treaty with Russia and China's treaty, essentially cutting Leslie, or, I mean, Denmark, um, <laughs> out of her own treaty. Visibly irritated, Leslie, I mean, Denmark, uh, asks for a summit with Ben I mean, Peru, uh, over there by the refreshment table on account of 
Denmark needs a juice box. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm pretty sure that juice box thing was just a ruse because it seems like Leslie's more interested in giving Ben a piece of her mind than she is thirsty. Uh, Mark, should we just play this next scene? Oh, yes. Let's do that. All right. I am shocked and appalled by the actions of the honorable delegate from Peru. Leslie, just look, I thought I could handle being friends with you, but I can't. Okay, now we agreed the other night that we can't spend time together. I think that was the right call. But that was in a romantic way. We can still spend time together as friends. It doesn't work that way. You can't just chop up the aspects of a relationship into discrete parts and select the ones you want like a buffet. Why not? Because it's selfish. Stop being obtuse. Look, I understand where he's coming from, but I have been nothing but straightforward with him and if anyone in the entire world should understand the difficult position I'm in, it's it's just I've made an effort and I've shared my flags with him. <laughs> Suddenly he doesn't want to be friends. You know what? That leaves me with only one option. Please, just excuse me for Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Attention. This is an urgent world matter. Due to a recent betrayal, my homeland, the great state of Denmark, has officially decided to declare war on Peru. Scandinavian brothers, on my signal... Unleash hell! Yikes. <laughs> I expected cannon fire at that point or something. Well, do you see Ben like stand up from yeah. his seat, like visibly, like he's just like at it, that attention, like, oh no, it's war, everybody. And there's also a little bit of a, can you believe this lady look on his face? And yet, I don't know. I, I want to punch them both at this point, I think, mm -hmm. just to be equal and mm -hmm. fair about it. Yeah. Um, but I did think that that one bit of dialogue, you know, where Ben basically says, look, you can't just chop up the aspects of a relationship into discrete parts and select the ones you want. I thought that was really a good, well-written scene. I did too. Before he went, stop being obtuse because he knows Leslie and knows that would push her over the edge. But I don't think he cares at this point. I think he's trying to hurt her a little bit because she's clearly hurt his feelings. I have I have mixed feelings about this because I feel like sometimes Leslie as, as awesome and as, as sweet as she honestly is, I feel like sometimes she can be obtuse and yes, that, that may have been a little bit of a, a surgical, eh, yeah. but I don't think it was 100% unwarranted. All right. You eh. know what? I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard but to. I still want to kind of punch them. Yeah. Both. Yeah. They just, <laughs> oh, these poor kids. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Wow. Well, we'll have to see how World War III goes down in a bit, Mark. But uh, meanwhile, the most important investigation of our time is kicking off in Chris's office. And uh, we've got an excellent sound effect for this one, Mark. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, well, back at City Hall, doink, doink, um, Chris seems to have formed what I'm, Alan, I'm going to call this the Traeger Think Tank. I like that. But you know how over at the high school, it's the, the coalition of the willing here in a minute. Yeah. I just call this the coalition of the unwilling. But only in Jerry's case. Well, I don't know. Ann's not a big fan at first. I think I think we have the willing Donna, the unwilling Jerry yeah. and the meh, Ann. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this this here Traeger think tank here or I, I, I flirted with calling it the triple T, but meh. Yeah. Um, you know, they're there to address 
the Millie situation. So we can see the Traeger think tank now consists, as I mentioned, uh, Alan, uh, of course, of Chris, a willing Donna, an unwilling Jerry, and before too much conversation occurs, a nonplussed Anne who arrives all of a sudden asking Chris what this, quote, urgent meeting is. That's apparently with Donna and Jerry as well. And when Chris tells Anne about the Traeger think tank and what he's trying to do, Anne first states, to Jerry's relief, that this is incredibly inappropriate, but then follows up to Jerry's dismay, saying, all right, I'm game. So Jerry slowly looks into the camera, disbelieving and frustrated and unable to do anything about it. He just lets out a long. (sighs) Poor Jerry. And I love that Jerry got that look to camera. He doesn't get him very often. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. It really is. Yeah. Back in Ron's office, interviews continue. And as Ron had feared, no one seems good enough to do the job that as correctly bad as Tom had. It is important to do jobs correctly bad. Yes. <laughs> I was an expert at that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, you I've you worked, know. I've worked many years on this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Tom is still with Ron in his office and he is continuing to, I guess, help him uh, interview candidates for his replacement. The next candidate is a somewhat eh, somewhat older gentleman named Gary, who is from Gary, Indiana. Not kidding. Claims yeah, that's amazing. And, <laughs> and and Gary from Gary, Indiana, actually claims that 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 fact that he's Gary from yeah. Gary, Indiana. It's one of his stronger anecdotes. So. Mm-hmm. Ron thinks it's amazing, and I think it's yikes. Um, yeah. All and right. Tom correctly says, that's a fact, not an anecdote, Gary. <laughs> that's right. Here's an anecdote. Today, I met the most boring man in the world. His name was Gary. <laughs> yikes. So we, so that's Gary. Yeah. <laughs> that's Gary in a nutshell. Really so is. we fast forward a little bit to a new candidate, a very young guy named Keith, who seems to be inexperienced and, and, and immature and just very odd like let me give you an example at one point tom says keith let me give you a situation you're hosting a town hall meeting for local businesses (laughs) keith like nervously chuckles and kind of holds his head and says oh that's so much stuff you just kept going (laughs) tom says that was like one One thing thing. (laughs) i didn't even get to the situation (laughs) yet you know what i found interesting about this tom is kind of getting into this a little bit. Like he's not just a background observer or giving Ron his opinion. He's like, you know, he's now like perched on Ron's desk. He's like looking at him yeah. and, and gesturing and asking questions. Anyway, he invested four years into grooming this role into what he wanted it to be. And he doesn't want to seem some Yahoo name, you know, uh, what is it? Kyle? Keith. Keith. Sorry. <laughs> Played by Kyle Mooney from SNL. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Very funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. Well, Mark, we're back at the Model UN, or at least the shambles of its remains. And just when we didn't think Leslie and Ben could get any crazier, um, they do. Yes, they do. God. We're now at DEFCON 3. Sounds about right. And uh, we're about to go to DEFCON 2. Uh, So back at... uh, Isn't that better? Or... No, no, no. The bad numbers are at the bottom. It's like golf scores. Yeah, that's right. You want you no, no, no. It's like another thing. Life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's like everything but golf. I You're guess. right. There it is. All right. Um, so back at the Jim Cafetorium, uh, we see Leslie meeting with her fellow uh, Europe countries there, with uh, Andy standing close by, looking on. Uh, 
ready to sick his army of lions on anyone that he needs to. Yeah. Um, when we also see a blackboard with some war strategies on it, do you notice that? Because there's all these ways that uh, that uh, uh, Denmark is going to attack Peru, and we see lines going from Denmark to Peru, and it includes rockets, and we got missiles and subs and battleships, and then lions. lions. <laughs> which I think maybe Andy added that. He's really excited. So. Anyway. Um, they might need boats for those lions. I'm not certain. They can leap like this high. I mean, they're wow. maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Like if they get a running start. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. So the France representative, Cassidy, I think is her name, um, questions why Leslie is changing the scenario. So she's kind of concerned. Like what's what's happening here, uh, uh, Leslie, the, the, the legend there? And the Switzerland representative backs Cassidy up and actually supports her saying, yeah, you know what? You, you do your crazy thing, but we're just going to focus on the original scenario of the global food crisis. And Leslie starts to become angry at this, but just then she's distracted by Ben walking up into the lion's maw, as it were. And, and it seems like Ben is maybe kind of trying to put on the brakes a little bit. And he says, OK, you know, I think... Um, Things are starting to get a little bit out of control here, but Leslie ain't having it and tells Ben, you betrayed me. You went behind my back. Yeah. And now you need to pay. And that particular word choice sets Ben off, who tells Leslie basically that it's on. Leslie's lost it just a little bit here because, you know, when the when the kid, you know, he's a high school kid, Mark, says, let's just solve the food crisis. Yeah. Leslie's response is food schmood. This is war. God, it's time for you to nut up, Switzerland. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just going to say, if you find yourself talking to a high school kid and telling them to nut up, you might need to take a step back and look at where you where you've come today. Right, right. We're not saying that occasionally they don't need to nut up. They're just no, saying you shouldn't be the telling time, them fact, that. But yes, yeah, don't, you like can't on a tell daily them basis that. they need to, yeah, but you can't yeah. tell them Send that. Send them a, an anonymous note like I do. Don't <laughs> say it to them. Love, love dad. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Big game tonight, son. Uh, oh, yeah. boy. Wow. Well, we've always known Tom is a one of a kind. And back in Ron's office, Ron knows it, too. That is correct. So Tom is uh, still with Ron in his office and the interviews are now apparently all over. And Tom tells Ron in no uncertain terms, these were all duds. And Ron agrees and says he's not going to find another Tom. Tom Haverfords don't grow on trees. Tommy trees. And, and, and Ron tries once again to get Tom to come back, but Tom turns him down again and leaves Ron's office, leaving Ron sitting there looking mildly frustrated. Yeah, Ron's not sure how he's going to do this. No. Yeah. Well, this is where he, my AKA came from. He says, I'm like a shark. I don't swim backwards. Yep. See you later, man. Yup, yup. So you keep thinking that Tom is playing a game here and holding out for something. But I, I think it's all about pride at this point. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, back at the UN, which now stands for Utterly Nuts, uh, Ben is going to fuel the flames of the fire Leslie has already set. That is correct. So it just yeah. keeps getting gooder and gooder. Yeah, that <clears throat> DEFCON 2, attention, we're at DEFCON yeah. 2, and, and we may not be done moving yet. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love that sound effect. Um, <laughs> Harvey must have put that into your system. Uh, he did, yeah. Nice, nice yeah. job, Harvey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
they're in the gym at Cafetorium, and uh, Cassidy, the representative from France, is uh, at the podium in front of everybody, and she's speaking into the microphone, and she's kind of giving everyone an update uh, as far as what they've been doing and what they've been successful at, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, Ben walks up to the podium, cuts Cassidy slash France off, grabs the microphone, and you know what? Hey, Harvey, let's go ahead and play this clip, buddy. Let's do that. We've been making great strides with genetically modified crops and would gladly pledge to continue the growth Excuse of Excuse me, the... Madam Ambassador. I, I, Excuse I'm me. Not, I'm not finished. Oh, really? Then why do I have the microphone? <laughs> I move that the Security Council formally condemn Denmark and stop them from making any more unwarranted acts of aggression. As long as you quit derailing the conference, people are dying of hunger in Africa. Oh, cry me a river. All in favor of the resolution. Everybody. Oh, that's interesting. The resolution passes with flying colors. Denmark is formally condemned. Bam. Drop the mic. That's no problemo, Peru, because Denmark no longer recognizes the authority of this international gang of thugs. And history will be unkind to those who stand opposed to justice. Together, we stand. And I ask all of you, who is ready to join the coalition of the willing? The moon shall join your coalition. <laughs> yeah, we got the freaking moon. What are you going to do without tides, Peru? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. There is so much in that scene <clears throat> that is absolutely hysterical. I want to give him props where props are deserved, you know? Yeah. I mean, when when it, it, there's like five or six things just boom, 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 that yeah. are just hysterical in a row. Uh, one thing that didn't come across in the audio is Leslie at one point takes her shoe off and does yes. a Nikita Khrushchev, yep. just banging her shoe. Who would join the coalition of the willing? Which, you know, who answers? The, the moon. moon. <laughs> Wearing a moon hat. Did you see that? She's got a moon hat i think she made it a, out of a, paper like a crown or, yeah. or, or tiara or something yeah and she's got a moon scepter yeah and she's well, so mark you have to have the set i can't argue that yeah <laughs> uh well from here mark we jump back to city hall for the case of the missing millicent Anne is going to speak some truth to power uh or in this case chris yeah we have uh the the traeger think tank is humming along on half a cylinder or whatever it's running on right now. Um, so Chris is wanting to stop dealing with hypotheticals. And so he asks Anne, what actually happened, you know, between the two of them, like for their romantic relationship in, in, in real life, what happened? And after confirming that Chris, so you, you want to go there, you want to get real, we can do that. And tells him that, Sometimes your relentless cheeriness is confusion is confusing. Sorry, launching into intimate details of her prior romantic relationship with Chris, which Donna is just eating up. But Jerry is decidedly not. Apparently, the jacuzzi broke. Some somebody ate food off of somebody's body. Oh, come on. <laughs> and Jerry just goes, I just want to go back to work. Yeah. You kind of feel for him. I Yeah, absolutely. But Donna wants to hear the deets. Oh, it's getting good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, I totally understand Jerry, but back at Pawnee Central High School, Allison just wants to get back to solving the world hunger crisis. We all do. <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike bar? So, no, yeah, back at nice. the Jim McAfetorium, um, we see Leslie meeting with the 
with the coalition of the willing, um, which just to yeah. keep us up to date, Alan, right now, yeah, I'll tell you who's in that coalition of the willing there. You got uh, Denmark. Sure. And uh, Botswana. Okay. And the moon. <laughs> plus Andy's pacing behind her with his army of lions always at the ready. He's yeah. loyal. He's loyal to Leslie. He'll follow her lead. He will. Um, all of a sudden, we hear an announcement from Cassidy slash France, who has gone up to the podium once more, telling everyone that the Security Council has decided to expel Peru and Denmark from the United Nations. And when Leslie asks her why, Pourquoi? She, Pourquoi? She says very simply and succinctly, because you guys suck look around and then the camera uh, kind of zooms out to show that this giant room alan the yeah. gym cafetorium it's almost empty yeah uh and leslie and ben at this point look at each other kind of awkwardly like they realize oh, okay we stuck our foot in it this time well they they clearly ruined um her favorite club alan i have i have two thoughts about this scene yeah. first I don't know why, but for some reason, it just makes me giggle thinking that some random kid who had Botswana <laughs> actually considered what was going on with Leslie's coalition of the willing and thought, yeah, that seems right. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> decided, I mean, the moon, I'll follow the moon. Um, and number two, I get why the kids left. I mean, Leslie and Ben kind of ruined what they were yeah. earnestly trying to get out of the experience. I get that. On the other hand. From a different point of view, that could have been considered the greatest model UN in the Ever. history of yeah. anything. Not only did you get to see a war break out, but mm. it, it involved the moon and lions. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, I think I would have been mad if I were there, if sure. I were a student. Yeah, yeah. But I also would have gotten some popcorn and just well, stuck around not? to see, like, what in the hairy hell is about to happen here? It's so. like a train wreck. You can't really look away That's once exactly you see it. Exactly it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I wouldn't have left. Well, Mark, we all need that compassionate friend to talk us through tough times, you know, so that they aren't personally affected by them. And, and for Leslie, that selfish friend is April. Yes, it is. So we're still at Pawnee Central High School, but now instead of the Jim Cafetorium, yeah. it looks like Leslie is sulking in. I want to say it's the woman's locker room. So we like we see lockers and we see yeah. benches and. We see Leslie, so it's a, she a woman, so I assume it's the woman's locker room. Probably is, um, yeah. And she's sitting on the floor, her back's up against the lockers, and April comes in to join her, and she sits down on the floor beside her and leans up against the lockers. And April tries her best to give Leslie some encouragement, at least for her, and suggests that Leslie talk with Ben. And Leslie didn't want to. He's, Ben's being a jerk. Forget it. But... April persists and maybe April ends up reaching her a little bit. What do you think? I, I think overall, yeah, she's trying to give her good advice, but like April would do, she masks it in her, you know, selfishness and, right. and says things like, well, you know, look, when Ben gets upset and becomes a really bad roommate, uh, he takes really long sadness back, <laughs> <laughs> which makes me late for stuff. Yep. Yep. Oh. Uh, I love the end of this, though, where, yeah. you know, uh, Leslie goes, I hate it here. I can't wait to graduate. And April goes, yeah, but summer's going to totally kick ass. Like she picks right up on what, what Leslie's going for. What she's putting down. Gave it a yeah. real like breakfast club type of it feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. Very nice. Well, 
The truth speaking continues over at City Hall, and we learn Anne's true feelings about Chris, and more importantly, jogging. <laughs> or I think the Europeans call it jogging, Mark. Jogging is the worst, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it keeps you healthy, but my God, at what cost? What cost? All right. So back at the Traeger think tank, Chris asks Anne for clarity, thinking that maybe what she's getting at is that he intimidated her, but Anne clarifies for him. No, you basically turned me into a female version of yourself. Mm. And then once you did that, you got bored dating me because you were dating yourself. And Chris reflects on this a little bit. And after some discussion and tells Chris, you know, good luck with Millicent. Just back off a little bit. Let her be herself and everything will be fine. I think she's on to something and it's actually really, really good advice. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, back at Pawnee Central, we are in the chemistry room, and it seems as if Andy and April are attempting their own version of a peace brokering between the great nations of Peru and Denmark. That's right. So, yeah, the scene opens with Andy just sitting with Ben in what I think you're right. It looks like a chemistry room and they're just hanging out in silence at first. Ben looks to be sulking just like Leslie was. Um, and Andy is kind of making small talk with him. Uh, and, and then <laughs> and, and then a few seconds later, we see Leslie and April walk in to join them. And um, this actually this is really good. Hey, Harvey, can you play the rest of the clip, please? If you rearrange the letters of Peru, you could spell Europe. <laughs> That's not true. Well, you have to rearrange them. Oh. Delegates! <laughs> I know that you're angry with each other. Hopefully this will be your opportunity to have your very own Camp David. Oh. Uh, in high school, my buddy David Fundus would have these campouts in his backyard. We would just chill out, <laughs> have a bonfire, talk about whatever was on our mind. We called it Camp David. How do you know about Camp David? How do you know about Camp David? Okay. <laughs> you guys are being stupid, so why don't you work it out while Andy and I... Throw these go. scientist bottles off the roof. No, that's right. See ya. Go, go, go. Get out of there. <laughs> it's bad enough that we can't be together, but the thought of us not being friends is it's just too crappy for me to handle. I was perhaps a little icier than I needed to be. I just need you to be in my life. You're too important to me. I wish I could say it's possible. I just, I, I don't know if it is right now. Well, I propose a treaty that states that we have a fun conversation once a day at work for five minutes. I'll take it to the Peruvian Senate or whatever. Please do that. I'll try, I'll see what they say. What do we do with those kids? We totally ruined their club. I can tell you what I would like when I was their age. Ben, how are we going to get Kathy Ireland to do naked aerobics for them? <laughs> okay, I regret telling you that very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, at least I guess they're now finally on the same page. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And speaking of that, as Tom is headed out, Ron catches him in the parking lot and finally levels with him about what he knows. Yeah. So, yeah, this is an outside uh, scene and we see... Um, Ron walking towards Tom in what it looks like a parking garage. Yeah. And Ron comes clean to Tom and admits that he saw him spraying cologne samples at Macy's and to just come on back, man, just take the job, Tommy. And in a very brief moment of humility, Tom finally tells Ron, mm. I quit to pursue my dream and my dream collapsed. 
it's embarrassing, Ron. I can't go from a CEO back to being an administrator. And I think Ron kind of gets it mm -hmm. and, and asks Tom, is there anything that he can do to make him feel better about coming back? Which makes Tom pause and he looks pensive for a few seconds, just kind of considering. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, Mark, back in the bullpen, we learn exactly what Tom asked for. And it was apparently to have a certain somebody beg for his return. Oh, dear. Yeah. So this is a bit later. I mean, I don't know, half hour or so. Yeah. I mean, just, it's pretty soon after they had that talk, I think. Yeah, it's like night and everybody's still at work. Makes total sense. <laughs> so... So now we see we're in the bullpen. Yeah, okay? yeah. And we see Ron and Tom there and the members of the Traeger think tank are now there as well. Um, they're looking at them kind of like what what's what's happening here? What's Tom doing here? And Ron addresses them all formally announcing that he is awkward pause, facial grimace, begging Tom <laughs> to come back. What do you say? And to which Tom says, Ron, this is embarrassing, even for you. I'm not coming back. Peace out, my dudes. And Tom <laughs> walks out into the hallway and leaves. And we see a storm brewing in Ron's face. <laughs> and Ron excuses himself. And he quickly does his patented elbows swinging Ron Swanson fast walk out the bullpen's so other door. Funny. And then yeah. there's a little window that looks out of the hallway. And we can see. Ron is now racing towards Tom and the camera goes to Tom, who's just kind of standing there and grinning and like, hey, that was great. So what I'm thinking is I'll come back in a few days and you'll beg me again. Ah! <laughs> and Ron physically grabs him and manhandles him back into the bullpen. <clears throat> um, Small camera cut. Yeah. To Ron and Tom once again, standing in front of the gang. And this time, yeah. Tom formally, politely asks Ron if he may have his job back Please. Please, Ron stands there with his uh, with his arms crossed, pauses, and gives a very small nod of the head. Tom thanks him, tells the gang he'll see them on Monday, and leaves for real this time. And Ron <laughs> allows himself a very small sliver of a smile. I like it. What the heck was Tom thinking? I don't know. Wow, too far. Well, Mark, it's Monday now, and it's time for apologies all around. We kick off, uh, you know, the Denmark and Peru apologizing to Cassidy and the rest of the Model UN Club with a very special visit to City Hall. That's right. That's right. Um, so we see the students from the Model UN group, or at least a subsection of them, um, walking down a hallway towards Leslie and Ben, who are, as you said, standing outside the Pawnee City Council Chambers. Alan, what do you think? Let's have Harvey play this one last clip. I think that's a great idea. Ah, France. Bienvenue. My name is Cassidy, and I'm really annoyed with you. Yes, and you have every right to be, but we're hoping what we're going to show you right now will make up for that. What? Connie's oh City Council Chambers. The nicest room in City Hall by a factor of like a million. Go ahead. Sit down. Leslie and I feel terrible for war breaking out at your model UN. Which, for the record, Denmark would have won. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Thanks to a coordinated effort between the Parks Department and the City Manager's Office, three months from now, we are going to hold a statewide model UN in this room. And you're going to run the show. Yes. And we will just be not here. Or taking some small countries. No, 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 no fine, no. not here. Sound good? <laughs> yes. 
Those kids are passionate about something. That's important. That's all there is, really, is passion. Passion is what makes for good treaties, good relationships, good pizza, good friends, good everything, including wars. Denmark, Lega Alley. I don't want Denmark to Lega Alley. I don't either. No. No. That was kind of a nice, a nice ending to that storyline, I think. Yeah, it, it, we talked about this, I think, episode before last, Mark, uh, the theme of redemption at the end, where yeah. they're trying to clean up a little bit of the mess of the episode that came before it. <laughs> I kind of feel like we're back here again. Yeah. And, and it was. It was nice. I thought, you know, it was an appropriate thing for them to do. Um, and it also did a couple of other things, too. It allowed them to introduce the set to the city council chambers, which yep. is going to be important. Yep. Did you notice that uh, when, uh, you know, her name's not actually Allison, like it says in the script, uh, what, uh, Cassidy. Yes. Cassidy sat down at the desk there behind Councilman Jam's nameplate. I did see that. That was kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I also liked how, um, it, you know, how like sometimes they'll have a talking head. It's often Leslie. Yeah. And they have stuff happening in the background, a little montage. Yeah, a little montage. And um, so just a couple nice things. April and Andy decided to kind of help out with this apology. And they they enter the room uh, with hard hats labeled UN. Yeah. And they're carrying boxes of pizza that are labeled appropriately enough hot, fresh pizza. <laughs> So, yeah, I just like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a nice scene. Well, Mark, all that's left at this point is the kicker. And uh, Tom is finally back in the parks department here. So, yeah, I think. Do you think this is like later that same morning, like later the same Monday morning? It's either the same day or the next day. Yeah. It's it's pretty quickly right after. Fair enough. So we're at City Hall. It's morning ish and and we see the gang in the bullpen together with several glasses of champagne on the central circular table and leslie is reading some sort of intro from a binder that (laughs) clearly tom wrote as a flashy intro for himself but she just sees the nonsense that he wrote in there and abandons it about 10 percent of the way through and just simply says welcome back tom haverford (laughs) and at this we hear music start up and tom comes in making a grand entrance with everybody applauding and They all grab a glass of champagne celebrating. It's a nice moment. But we hear Jerry object, saying it seems unfair. And the camera pans over (laughs) to Jerry, who has been squeezed into a a tiny little corner by the copier. And Leslie tells Jerry, look, I I get it. I understand. But this is necessary. You know, Tom's back now. And Andy is still my assistant. You remember in last episode, yes. Andy was at Tom's desk. He had actually right. moved his mouse rat stuff That's there and correct. everything. Yeah. So he still needs to be close to Leslie as her assistant. And Jerry says, I'm still going to protest here because he's saying he can't hear anything uh, because of the noise from the copier. And April, who just <laughs> just happens uh, to be at the copier at that yeah, moment, innoc- innocently says, sorry, these are really important. <laughs> and we see Leslie kind of look at April with mild rebuke. And, and April holds up a sheet of paper <laughs> that says copier test, kind of smiling. <laughs> Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. Punch Jerry on the way out. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, nice job on the breakdown, Mark. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk tropes first, fun facts, deleted scenes, and then we'll score the thing and send everybody home. It's a plan, man. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello. This is Ron Swanson. I am here today to tell you about a brand new business located right here in Pawnee. 
I am doing so because a. I am being adequately compensated to do so, and b. I am happy to report that I will no longer need to drive through or to Eagleton for my biannual replacement of Old Glory. So, without further ado, please help me in welcoming Flags R Us to the Plainview Heights Strip Mall and Roadside Emergency Truck Exit. In addition to carrying the 193 flags that make up the nation-states of the so-called United Nations, including the difficult-to-find Mauritania, Flags R Us carries flags of every stripe, and, most importantly, our own little red, white, and blue beauty, of course. Flags R Us also carries flags for nearly every lifestyle and belief system. From Buddhism to Confucianism, we support flags for every major faith. And, if that's not your bag, we also carry flags for more fringe belief systems. So even if your deity is a 28-foot lizard with a volcano for a mouth, or likes to pilot UFOs around the moons of Jupiter, we've got you covered. Speaking of extreme fringe beliefs, we have at least seven different flags that celebrate things starting with the letter Q, yes, including those folks, plus quasars for our friends in the physics department, and four different queen-related flags. Queen as in the monarch, of course. Queen as in the amazing rock band. Queen as in mystery novel lovers. And queen as in you go, girl. In conclusion, no matter what your specific flag needs may be, freak or otherwise, Flags R Us has you covered. So let all your flags fly high, my brothers and sisters. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, as we usually do, we'll talk real quickly about some of the deleted scenes. So, you know, for those of you at home who have the DVDs, I recommend you check these out. Uh, this week, we had about four minutes and 56 seconds of deleted scenes. I think there were seven of them, roughly. Mm -hmm. um, I actually really liked one of them, and, and I thought it was almost better than what they put in. And I would normally play it, but it's very visual. And, and basically, it's an alt to win... Two two pieces of the part where Les the cold open actually mm -hmm. where Leslie's introducing the fact that they have all 193 flags. Oh yeah, yeah. And and there's this one flag that's really difficult to get, and you know there's a whole shtick about that. And right. then you know Ben does the was I in the model you in? And then you know of course I was. Uh, with this version is just he just laughs. It's like the creepiest damn Ben laugh ever. And it's right, terrific. right. Yeah. So. The, I, there is one d deleted scene that I kind of liked, and it's where uh, we kind of get a little bit of expanded uh, explanation as far as what Andy's military strategy is. Oh, about the lions. And it was interesting because yeah. he he's like, you know, hey, you know that book there, the the lion, the witch in the wardrobe? Well, apparently, and he's telling us this, he's yeah. apparently there's a lion uh, in that story, and he's a, kind of this Christ figure, see? So, so I know because of this story sure. that somewhere on the earth is this lion that's the christ figure if we so, just get that so i figure i figure alan that if if he gets every single lion in the world then it's gonna by default include that lion sure and when he gets that Victory. lion oh he's gonna be able to kick some butt <laughs> our enemies beware it's not the worst strategy i've ever heard i mean for him <laughs> i 
Andy has some problems with that thin line between what I like to call the, the you know, the pretend world in his head and the real world. He certainly does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, check out those deleted scenes if you have the DVDs. Yep. Mark on tropes first and fun facts. I did not have a ton this week. Um, I had a couple things, but what would you come up with? I I uh, I sucked on ice uh, this week. Yeah. I actually had no first, no goofs, no fun facts. I did have some tropes, though. OK, well, throw the tropes down because I actually have a goof and a fun fact. Oh, all right. Yeah. So I had actually had uh, quite a few tropes. One, uh, PBJ is an obvious one because poor Jerry. I mean, yeah. again, yeah. throughout this entire freaking episode. Yeah, that, and not to mention he's over at the copier, which is with that. That was kind of copier funny. test. Um, I had a. You know how sometimes it's not just punching bag Jerry, but April versus Jerry. So we had a little bit of that. I felt like this week, uh, you know, again, at the end with the copier. Yeah. Um, I, I always kind of defer to you on this because I think you started this series of tropes where it's over something Leslie. Yeah. I just called it. I didn't know what to call it. So I called it overboard Leslie. Nutbag Leslie. You mean yeah, you name yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. So that's that one. Um. Ben mugs to the camera because there are a few times oh, yeah. when he's like, I can't believe this beep is doing this. Um, and then I don't know if we've done nerdy Ben. Like, I, you know how like sometimes he'll specifically go on nerdy. Yeah. Like nerd specific. Yeah, we're going to get it. Like we're gonna Star get a Trek and that sort season of thing. Four, so yeah. I don't know if we've ever done that before, but I'm going to say nerdy Ben. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then finally, we've done this before. I think that this is uh, shades of uh, Mike Shore for sure. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> fun with names. Yeah. <laughs> David, yeah. David Fundus, uh, Fundus, Courtney, Gary from Gary. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, that That's all the tropes I got. Did I miss any? No, I think you covered all the tropes. Well, I did go back real quickly and think about first for a second. And there were actually two. We did mention them. You know, we, we introduced the city council chambers and we introduced the character of Jam only via the nameplate. But oh, that's I, I a good one. Those, I think those are first. That is a good get yeah, Both yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Mark, I only had one goof and uh, this was this was presented online. So it's not mine. But apparently, um, you know, England and its national flag are displayed as one of the five permanent members of the United Nations, when it really should be the United Kingdom. Oh, so very interesting. I see. Got our flag accuracy, uh, you know, squad out looking for that. And then you alluded to the fun fact, and that's that when Leslie is banging her, her shoe on the podium, mm-hmm. that it is an homage to Nikita Khrushchev in 1960 doing the same in front of the actual UN. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for you uh, history buffs or uh, you know people who can't spell UN, go look that up. Alan, were you ever a part of a model UN? I was not. I was in student government, however, uh, in high school and in college, as a matter of fact. But uh, no, nothing this nerdy. I, I was I was briefly. Were you really a part of a model UN? Yeah. Um, what who what what country, Mark? Is it was a country that uh, I don't remember. But I mean, okay, honestly, not remember a stand. It was uh, I was closer to Andy than Leslie. <laughs> like that, my whole thing was I I like I wanted to collect lions, and they they had free pizza there, so that's why I was part of the model UN. I, I think many clubs find their base membership through, through free pizza. Oh, my gosh. I'm nearly certain. Absolutely. No yeah. Like that's nearly a fact. Yeah. Yep. I knew some kids that went to the Pizza Hut on Saturdays to play Dungeons and Dragons during the lunch buffet. Oh, yeah. And got that pretty much canceled. Oh, my god. I gosh. mean, I wasn't one of them. But, yeah, that happened. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Schmucks. <laughs> 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 
Well, Mark, that's a good job there on those first tropes, fun facts and goofs. Let's move into our scoring. All right. It's about that time. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's time for scoring. All right. I don't know why I sound like Batman. Uh, why are you Batman? I don't know. It's yeah. that scary. Um, all right. Well, you know, Alan, we're both submitting choices for MVP. I don't care anymore. Uh, so <laughs> this is um, my MVP for this episode is um, the moon. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I can't do that. It's okay. You know, in, in all seriousness, yeah. I'm, I'm giving co-MVPs okay. to, to Aubrey Plaza and Chris Pratt as April and Andy. Um, the reasoning is the moon, the moon. and the lion Lions. army. Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt, in my mind, the two strongest and most funny concepts of the entire episode. Pure gold. I loved it. Um. Alan, this this one, gee, this was one of the most lopsided episodes that I've seen in a long time. What a great word to describe what we just witnessed. like. There were yeah. some there were some really, really high points existing in a sea of meh. I told my wife, I said, this is the funniest, worst episode I've ever seen. That's pretty good. I mean, I didn't know That's how to good. describe it. Yeah. Such low points. <laughs> Surrounded with really brilliant humor. Yeah. It's like it's like sea at a low tide and a big flagpole in the middle. If the if the flagpole if the flagpole sprung up and went spring. Yes, yes, it would be. <laughs> it went, Jesus it sucks. Um so no, so you know what, let's break this down a little bit. So for the A story, the model UN stuff. Yeah. I thought the storyline itself was good, not great. Um, however, it had such unbelievably strong individual redeeming moments within it. I thought it gave the illusion that it was a great storyline. Okay. Um, and it it wasn't. It was it was good. Had a lot of potential. As far as Ben and Leslie go, overall, they definitely came out net positive for me. Like they each had some great moments for sure. And I want to give them the credit that they deserve. And I love, by the way, that they both went full geek at Model UN, which seems fitting for them. It really does. But then they also both had some cringe moments that I didn't care for, especially Leslie with her ultimate meltdown. I, I, you know what? Here's the thing. I empathize with Leslie up to and even including that heartfelt uh, talking head where she was clearly angry and frustrated and felt like betrayed by Ben. And if they had stopped there, I would have been good. But unfortunately, a switch flipped somewhere in her head and she declared war and essentially went nuts. Mark, we didn't even talk about the line where she said, the, you know, he he throws a white flag on the table and, you know, Andy and April go, ooh, underwear or something like that. And he says, no, it's a white flag. And, and Leslie says, the only thing I will be waving is your decapitated head on a stick in front of your weeping mother. Yeah. And she screams it. And you yeah. see like Andy, Andy, who is always loyal towards Leslie, you can see him go. You <laughs> like even him, even him. I want them to play that sound effect there. I know. I'll give him a half point just for that. <laughs> um, so you know, Alan. I, even then, like I, I could have given her a pass this week, maybe. But back to back with last week's meltdown. No, I forgot. You're exactly right. Like she's on a bad roll here. And that's just it. Like it, it was last week was a good episode, but it was just like, oh, that was a little bit of a danger zone. It's a good thing. It's just one episode. It's not it's not it's not just one. episode. You know, I'm going to say one thing in Leslie's defense via the writers here for a minute. Yeah. 
Leslie is not super practiced at relationships or especially long relationships. Yeah. She's only had a few. So for her to react badly over the series of maybe three episodes here is not that. I can understand it, I guess. Right. But to the degree to which she goes. Yeah. Where she has to do everything over the top. She even does it here. And it's even though it's maybe in character, boy, is it hard to watch. Oh, no. Yeah, I completely agree. If, yeah. if I were Leslie's therapist, I'd be like, you know what? I get it. But I'm not her therapist. I'm her audience. And, and it didn't Fair. quite play as, as well as it as it could have, uh, which is a shame because I thought otherwise it was a pretty strong ish storyline. Yeah. Um, Potential again. What was stellar, stellar about the storyline was freaking April and Andy. Like just a- almost everything they did was pure comedy gold. Both of them. They, they were the redeeming portions of it. And they yes. And I'll go as I'll go one better. I'll go as far as to say that if April and Andy hadn't been in the A story. Mm. This episode probably would have been scored one to two points lower than it's going to be. Wow. Yeah. Like I live them that much. Okay. I I did like Leslie doing the Nikita Khrushchev. That was that was kind of funny. Again, um, moments. It, it got like boing. <laughs> um, I, I, you know what? I also thought it was some nice development for April when because mm. think about it. She's usually very apathetic and nihilistic, but she was like willing to sit down with Leslie by the lockers in a very Breakfast Club like moment and try like actually try to actively make her feel better, which I thought was a little remarkable. Well, I think she had an opportunity here. She doesn't often have when Anne's in the picture. And right. That's a great she point. She kind of stepped up. So speaking of April, I, Alan, I have a question for you. Do you think April knows about Leslie and Ben? What's your speculation? Well, I think she does because she recommends that Leslie go speak with Ben. See, I think I think you're right. At first, I thought no, because they didn't they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. But that's not exactly true. Ben told Andy that he and oh, Leslie yeah, liked well. each other. And I think Andy at this point probably would have told April. He so, would have told and, and like you said, the, the way that April handled it, mm, yeah. well, it made me think she was maybe a little knowledgeable about that. And if you recall, April was the first and only one to recognize Ron as Duke Silver. She picks up on stuff. Yes, she does. I got to give credit. So that's kind of my my take on the A story. So the B story. Yeah. Which one was that for you again? That, that was, was Tom. Uh, Tom. Tommy Trees? Yeah. <laughs> the B story was not, in my opinion, it was not a great or even a good storyline. It was okay. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. The, the subject matter of replacing Tom is not particularly interesting to me. Like it did have a few redeeming moments. I, by There are a few uh, funny moments by Ron. Some of the candidates were kind of funny. Um, so it's not like it was worthless. But, I, you know, again... I didn't much care for Tom. Like I was getting a little mm. tired of him. I think I think under other circumstances, I could have cheered for Ron being like a secretly supportive of Tom. But unfortunately, I think in this case, as with many instances with Tom, we don't get quite enough humility and transparency to make it satisfying. Or we do, but it's at the 11 and a half hour and just an ounce of it. Yes. Not enough. Yes, yes, exactly. Like I get that they technically had Ron explain why he wants Tom back so badly. You know, I want someone who's competent enough to keep the boss on my blah, blah, blah. Right. But come on. I don't quite buy it. Yeah. I, I really, really, really wish that they had had Tom come to Ron 
in the first place. Not only for getting his job back, but coming up with their little scheme at the end to help him save face. Like if mm. he had, as it was, Tom only agreed to it because Ron had harangued him like 10 times in a row, which I got to say seems a little out of Ron's character. I agree with that. Um, I didn't really care for it. No. Um, so uh, plus, what the heck was Ron doing at Macy's? <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. For the C story. Yeah. The Traeger think tank. Yes. I did not find the storyline interesting, nor did it have redeeming moments to help boost it out of the doldrums it was in. Um, I was not engaged in it at all, at all. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I thought it was a bit of an abuse of power by Chris to pull <laughs> them think? all together. Yo, I just completely do. So I, I, you know what? So I thought it was a wash. Like there were maybe a few minor chuckles throughout, but I felt like this was unfortunately uh, offset by the creepy Traeger moments and by Jerry being forced again to know more than he wanted about his relationship with his daughter. Like, come, okay, I get it. I get it. I got it several episodes ago. Yeah. And, and I, put your dangling participle away. We no longer need to know about dangle it. The carrot. Yeah. I, I'm not saying Chris has to break up with Millie. I am saying this whole Jerry being exposed to it more than he should be. It's run its course. Like, let it go. I'm done with it. Overall, for the C story, Alan, I could have done without the entire storyline. And I don't think it would have harmed the episode at all. Um, I did like the end showed a little bit of backbone. I like the end in it. I'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'll I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, so, you know, obvious nitpicks. Uh, I didn't like that Leslie had a meltdown for the second episode in a row. Maybe the third. I've lost third. track at this point. Holy crap. I did not like Tom very much. Like I told you, I didn't hate him. I didn't hate him like I did meet and greet. I just def- definitely yeah. felt, I felt like he needed to have more depth and humility for me to care. It's good. Um, and so I talked about Chris and also also why would chris you just get me started just you're waving your hands around why would chris ask ann what went wrong in their relationship Ann didn't end the relationship chris did you know what that's a fabulous point and i missed it and in response to that we don't have to keep that (laughs) anyway well said (laughs) All right. So on to the crazy Mark rubric. Yeah. There we go. All right. All right. We're all ready. I like Harvey there for a second. It was weird. Um, <laughs> base score three. Oh, man, I feel like you just kicked me in the gut. Yeah. Hey. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Overall of the three stories, I felt like one of them, one and a half of them were real stories. And then the others just weren't. So I just felt like it was maybe at 50% capacity. I was not impressed. Um, but the A story I thought was really strong. So this just, just the others just meh. Um, so a few points here. Half point uh, for a great performance by co-MVP Aubrey Plaza as April. Another half point for a great performance by co-MVP Chris Pratt as Andy. Uh, I'm going to give half a point for Ron losing his patience with Tom at the end and manhandling mm. them. I did. I did like that. Funny. I'm going to give half a point for all the candidates that Ron and Tom interviewed because there was some there was some funny stuff there. Yeah. I'll give it credit. Yeah. Um, and then all the rest of the points come from the A story. Uh, half point for Leslie and Ben completely nerding out at the model UN. I did like that. It was fitting for them. Half a point for the world's nerdiest slam and gangsta mic drop by Ben. I did like that. (laughs) Half point for 
I, I have a combo here. I'm going to give half point for the combo of April comforting Leslie in a very breakfast club-esque moment, leaning up against the lockers, yeah. blah, 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 combined with Andy kind of hanging out with Ben. Peru rearranged spells Europe. That doesn't work. You have to rearrange them. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. I laughed so hard at that. Half a point for the moon will join your coalition because I just thought the whole moon angle was hysterical. And finally, half a point for the genius of Andy accumulating lions from every country. He may be a military genius. He may be. So, Alan, you add up all those nutty points and you come up with 7.5 little Sebastians. So it, it was a step up kind of from last week or, or I'm sorry, for two weeks ago. Um, I, you know what? Here's the thing. This is the sort of you asked me originally if I remember this episode. Yeah, I do. But here's what I remember this episode, because it had such strong individual moments. I remember when I watched this, I came away from it thinking moons and the lions. Brilliant. Ten. Like, because that's what I took away from it. There were such good uh, moments. They were so ridiculously bizarre and funny. They they ended up overshadowing a lot of the other stuff in a good way. Like, I remembered the good stuff and I forgot the bad stuff, which is maybe fortunate. Um, but as we've said in the past, when we're now looking at the episodes analytically, blah, 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 it becomes clear how much the rest of the episode stumbled, you know? I think that's fair. So... Anyway, 7.5, buddy. What you got? <clears throat> well, I remembered the episode as well. Um, what I remembered were the bad things, the cringe things. <laughs> oh, no. No, I did. I like, um, and I think I even alluded to it when last week we were finishing up at the end of uh, End of the World. Yep. And I said, oh, look, next week we've got uh, the treaty. The treaty. Yeah. Because I felt like, okay, you know, we had been through the punishment of meet and greet, which I think I generously gave a 7.5. I think you gave a 6.5. 6. Yes. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah. And and today you gave a 7.5 to this. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, uh, fair enough. I called it as I called it a step up from meet and greet. Mine was a step up from meet and greet. I gave it an eight. Uh, and 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 I again, I, I think I gave it an eight on the strength of the funny moments yeah boy if they weren't there though mark oh yeah 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 Yeah, it's tough you know i mean we we talked about this a little bit even in season three where you hit these giant peaks what are you going to do you're going to come down yeah you know if you come down to a 9.5 or a 9 from a 10 that's still a terrific episode Mm -hmm. you don't have to like take the roller coaster all the way to the (laughs) bottom of the hill i mean do they know that um all right, so MVP. Yeah. Nobody. Actually, you know what? I gave the MVP to me because I had to watch this episode. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you're giving it an eight. I had to watch all of the episode, Mark. <laughs> okay. Because the funny moments were tens. Yeah. The low moments yeah. were sixes. Yeah. Yeah, so it averages out an eight. All right. And it's still better than a lot of shows on TV. Um, but it, you know, which two, one, two and a half minutes, whatever, saying, so, tiger blood oh winning. God, the, the cringy moments here are at, like really on par with office season one cringy moments. Like they're just bad. And I think they're out of character bad. Like, yes, Leslie's nuts. Yes. These two are passionate about each other and they're missing each other and they want to be there. They can't, and they're hurting each other's feelings. And like the, the gist of it is all good with me. 
I just didn't like the way they did it. Mm. Like I, I kind of like you said, I liked where the the storyline. I think as a as a a tree trunk, it was a good tree. The way they pruned it and made it look at the end is not the tree I would have shaped mm. out of it. Though. I see. Okay, uh, to use some bonsai metaphors there and stuff. You yeah, know? Like, I, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know. Again, I, 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 I waffled back and forth between a seven and a half and an eight. I totally get your seven and a half and I don't disagree with you. Um, I, I did think that there were some standout performances, like you said, Andy and April. Um, and, you know, I think they got really close to pushing how dumb Andy is into an area that I was started to become uncomfortable with. It was almost Kevin at the office dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Or worse. Yeah. No, that's about right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Kevin. Uh, and I get it. Andy's not, you know, a smart guy necessarily. He's not known no. for his brilliance overall. But but Lions, yeah. But it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you can forgive the the joke for the payoff, right? Yes. There just wasn't enough of that in the other places where they tried to be funny or and and failed or just didn't succeed. Um you know, I, I can forgive Leslie and Ben a little bit, but at the end of the day, I, I wanted to smack them around on behalf of the the Model UN kids. It was hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. Although, you know what? I, I think to me, if I had to, if I had to say which which part of it, it kind of, I don't know, not offended me, but that I didn't care for the most. I think it was how, to me, how incredibly meh. The B and C stories were. I, well, I haven't even gotten into those yet. You're oh, exactly sorry, right. Sorry. No, no, I'm 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 harping on the A story here, but oh, you're geez. exactly right. Oh geez. Um because again, I think it's the thing that we both thought was the best, and we want to use that to bolster our score. Right. Um, I'd say the only thing I really thought was decent about the Anne and Chris storyline, uh, if you will, was Anne. Like she rose above Chris's, you know infantile request to be a part of this investigatory squad, which is an abuse of his power as city manager. And I think kind of out of character too, in the way he's presented himself in the past in that role. Um, I get it. It's a TV show. It's for the yucks and all that, but this show frequently goes beyond that and into something more meaningful and poignant. Mm -hmm. And boy, did they not even really try that very here at all, except in those little tiny moments where they turned or had the turnarounds, right? The redemption moments. Those were kind of reflected the best of what we like about Parks and Rec, but it wasn't enough to make up the thing that they were turning around. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I I think my biggest problem with all that, the the Chris storyline was my least favorite, but it was, but it was more just because it was so just nothing. Yeah. What, what made me the most mad, I think is I know I've harped on Tom a lot in the past. And yet I would say because of how shallow his character's been in the past, I feel like he has the most potential. If they would write him some really poignant, transparent, humble scenes, I think it would hit like thunder. Like, I think they could yeah. make his scenes more effective than Leslie or Ben's scenes, even if just a few times, because it's holy crap. We need him to evolve a little bit. That's a good point. Well, and I think I think that's going to happen a little bit down the road. But I think there's always that tendency that they have to, like, you know, have Tom front at first mm-hmm. and then redeem later. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that that isn't his character. I'm just saying... 
the, the, the balance of that is a tricky act. And I think they could err on the side of what you're saying. And that's, you know, make him a little more relatable from time to time. Oh for my for gosh, longer yeah. in the episode, not just the, you know, hey, sorry, I was just doing the thing. Like, it seems like Tom and Ron, let's say, working together, so to speak, to get him his job. It seemed like 95% Ron, 5% Tom, yeah, and it right. should have been at most 50-50. And most. I'm honestly thinking if Ron could kind of extended a leaf and said, you know what, Tommy? All right. If you want your job back, I can do it. And for him to just be like, dude, I I, I would love to come back, but I'm just really I mean, yeah. this I need a way to save face. This is so yeah. embarrassing. I actually would have res- respected well, that. And then they could have written some wacky stuff based on that. Oh, my God. I'm gosh. with you. I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So, no, good call out. So, yeah, not not my favorite episode, obviously. <laughs> um, I feel like eight's being pretty darn generous, as a matter of fact. Yeah, you know what? This the last time I had a seven point five was um, uh, Time Capsule, which I didn't okay. think was a bad episode. I didn't think that the highs of Time Capsule mm. were as high as this, but the rest of it wasn't quite as low either. That's fair. Yeah. Well, and I feel like at that period, you know, you know, the show had instantiated itself in season one, which had some rough moments. Ended on a high note with Rock Show. Got into season two, and then there's this kind of just ramp where it's working its way up. It's working its way up until you hit that really, as of this moment here, as we cover season four, the highlights of the show are, are at this point in, in season three. Yeah, and, yeah. and there've been some funny season four episodes. Yes, but uh, a lot more roller coaster so far this season. Yeah, and we're seven episodes in. But, you know, roller coasters are supposed to be fun. They are. Sometimes they're thrilling. Sometimes they make you want to throw up. Yup. Just saying. All right. Well, nice job on the breakdown, Mark. Next week, we'll be back with season four, episode eight, Smallest Park. Oh, yeah. Smallest Park. Yeah. I remember that one as well. Yup. All right, Mark. Well, I'm looking forward to covering that with you. Looking forward to seeing our viewers next week. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening today. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us. On the goof side, um, I didn't get that. Could you try again? The hell is happening? I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, please this be quiet. Is the, this is the best podcast ever. <laughs>